want to begin a series that's going to go for this entire month. But I want to begin the morning with the profound saying, and I wonder if you've heard it before. It says, not making a decision is making a decision. Have you guys ever heard that before? Not making a decision is making a decision. So just think about even the simplest of situations. You get invited out with friends, and you go, I don't know. See, you're not making a decision. You're not saying no. It's not a hard no, like, oh, no, I'm not going. But it is still no, just the same. So think about some other situations that that would come into play as well. A marriage proposal. So the guy's down on his knees. He's got the ring. He's holding it out there. And she goes, I don't know. It's not a no, but isn't it a no? A job offer. They call you and said, hey, we want you to work for us, and this is how much money we're going to give you, and this is your day. All this stuff, and you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Not making a decision is making a decision. You see, we all have decisions that we face, and we all are going to come face-to-face with them. Number one I want to ask you is, what will I do with Christ? Will I live life my way? Or will I surrender my life to him? Another one, I have maybe accepted Christ. You're going to heaven. Heaven's your eternal destination. But am I seeking God's will and direction for my life every day? Or do I just go along for the ride? And when I'm facing difficulties, do I continue on, just persevere through? Or do I say, I'm just going to give up and quit? I want to suggest to you that we live a life on the incline. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I have a a cheesy little graphic that I created just to point out that we're always going to climb up. and, And there's no such thing as staying the same. There's no level ground for us. And so imagine a car and you're driving up the hill. And if you don't keep giving gas, it's going to naturally slide back down. We live on an incline. Not making a decision going up, not pressing the gas is making a decision. And we fall down. See, life at the top is what Jesus says that we talk about all the time here. That he came to give us life to the full, the fullest life possible. But at the bottom of this is what he talked about in the beginning of that. And he says, but the devil is here and he wants to rob, kill, and destroy you. In fact, I talk to people all the time, and and the things that I've heard so much lately is just that, man, these things are just robbing me of my thoughts and my joy, and my I'm just worried about these problems, and all these things are going on. Well, that's what's trying to happen. But isn't it natural that that, you don't have to worry about going forward or sliding backwards? It just happens automatically. We're all at some point on that journey. Maybe some people have slid back. Or maybe even people feel like this. I take one step forward and I take two steps back. Have you guys ever heard that? Maybe you've even felt that. Man, I'm trying to do what I know I need to do, but I take one step in the right direction and it seems like some more things happen to me. We live on an incline. It's natural that we 
become discouraged. We don't have to work that up. We don't have to just study up and just like work. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to be discouraged, so I'm going to get an early sleep tonight, so tomorrow I'll be all. No, it happens just naturally. You don't have to try to get depressed. It just happens. In fact, many people face depression and hide it. But I believe it's one of those things that we're going to all face and we're all going to come at us. But it's where do we see ourselves in this continuum? What are we doing? We live on an incline. See, I believe that a simple focus adjustment is all it takes and we're on the decline. So instead of going forward and pushing up the hill, we're sliding back. When I was a kid, we went to Pikes Peak in Colorado. And as we, as we climbed up and my dad's driving, and, and I can't imagine us having to back back down that road. But as, as we're all up there, it's like so scary because it's such a narrow, narrow road. There's only one way up there in that road. And once you get up there, there's a little tiny place to turn around and come back down the scary journey as well. But you see, if you didn't keep giving gas as you're going up that thing, it'd be really easy to start sliding back and That's what our life is like. So easy for us to look to the left or to the right and lose focus on where we're going. And we start going on the decline. I want to say that again. A simple focus adjustment. Looking to the left. Being distracted to the right. And we're in decline. Because we live on an incline. I have a question I want to ask you. Who is the person you see in the mirror? When you go, no, I'm not talking about just brushing your teeth, combing your hair, just working. Yeah, because I spend so much time with that. But when, you, when you're just there and you're just in a hurry to get to work, or you're late to work, or you're late to church, or whatever's going on, I'm not talking about that moment. I'm talking about when, when it's the real you, you're facing that person in the mirror, and you go, do I like the person that I see? Am I happy with who I'm becoming? Second question I would ask you is, is that who you want to be? Because all of us have this, these things that we want to do better. We want to go higher on that incline. We want to go higher with God. We want to go higher in our personal development. But who are we? And that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. And part of this whole series for this month. But I want to suggest to you, it's really hard to fight culture, especially for those that have not been reared in church. You didn't grow up in church. You, didn't get, you haven't been around this all of your life. It's really difficult to fight that. But when has it been, when has it been easy is the best path? When is it that what's easy, quote unquote, has been the best path? So even, forget about church for a moment. Think about even in school, in elementary school, PE class. Some people did not want to go to PE class. They make you climb the ropes, run around the gym. You got these things like, I just want to go play. I mean, today, even more, the kids want to play on their Nintendos and their games and their phones. They want to do this. We don't want to climb ropes. We don't want to do this stuff. That's not easy, but it's good for you. Think about sports. Think about, you know, you're in basketball and the coach has you running, you know, laps and he has you running sprints. He has you running on the lines. And, you know, you're in football and they've got you doing two-a-days and they've got you doing conditioning and they've got you doing all this stuff. It's not easy. It's not what you want to do. I had to run track and that's not fun at all for me. And, you know, they're pushing you, trying to, they're always timing you to see if you can get faster and better and, oh, you need to do more of this and you do the, all this stuff. We did cross country even sometimes. They drop us off five miles miles from school. We had to run back. There's no shortcuts for that. That wasn't easy, but it was good for me. 
Think about lifting weights. You go into the gym and you go, ah. I mean, people are even making noises. It's not easy, but it's good for us. But now thinking about going to the gym. Going to the gym as an event that you're going there to work out. Now, it's the first week in March. Without a show of hands, because I don't want to embarrass anybody, how many people are still fulfilling their New Year's resolution to go work out every day? Are the gyms all full like they were in January? No, why not? Because we live on an incline, and it becomes harder and harder for us to maintain where we're going. Because doing what's good for us isn't easy. And it doesn't come natural. I want us to look at several scriptures. And we're going to hit all the scriptures at one point here. And then we're going to continue on. But in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 it says, And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And here's the most profound thing he says. I want to do what is right. But I can't. Has that ever been you? Certainly it's been me. Man, I want to do what's right. I know what I should do. And I don't do it. I just can't. I want to do what is good, it says in the next verse. But I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. But I do it anyway. Has that ever been you? Have you ever ended up going, man, I don't want to be here again? It's because we live on an incline. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. But God is faithful, and he will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, wait, 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 what? When? We should highlight that, circle it around. It should be flashing in neon lights. When you're tempted, because every single one of us are going to be tempted. When? you are tempted. He will show you a way out. And I just love that so much. He will show you the way out. See, remember the difference between conviction and condemnation is condemnation is when you make a mistake. The devil's right there going, you're worthless. You're a piece of blankety blank, blank, blank. You'll never amount to nothing. He's telling all these things that make you just go further and further cringing down. And God's right there with conviction saying, may you make a mistake, but here's my hand. Come out. Here is a way I'm going to show you how you can get out. In the NASB, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. So everything is common to all of us. And my wife says it in another way. She says, all things are common to women. So what I'm going through today, you may have went through yesterday or you may go through tomorrow. And you're you're going to be able to help me and I'll be able to help you that we're better together when we all jump in together. Colossians 2, 8 says, don't let anyone capture you. Man, there's so much right here. So try and just go along with this and really let this sink down inside you. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers in this world rather than from Christ. Think about that. Don't let these things that try so easy to capture us with empty philosophies. People like, well, I think you should do this. And, well, this is what I think the meaning of life is. Or, or, or high-sounding nonsense like, well, I'm very sophisticated. And I can tell you this. And you may go to, you know, psychologists and things. And they're just trying to talk to you from human thinking. 
Or, or spiritual powers, you know, like, well, let's go do the tarot cards and let's, let's just go to the medium. Let's go to this one. And I've got someone I follow on Snapchat's a friend and they post on there their, their sign and what their sign says each day. And it's like, oh my gosh, don't be following that rather than Christ. Christ is the only one that's going to be able to help us go up that incline. All the rest of this is going to make us slide down. One of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible is Psalms 139. If you ever thought to memorize one chapter of the Bible, it is doable. They made us do this when I was in high school. We had to, remember, we had to memorize, word perfect, one chapter of the Bible each month. If you ever thought about doing it, this would be the one I would tell you to do. It's not that difficult, but it's my favorite. It just has so much in there. Psalm 139, verse 7. It says, where can I go from your presence? David's talking to God. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Now I want you to think about this, and, and I want to kind of break it down in a little bit more of how he means it and not just the literal translation of this. He's not ascending into heaven on his day. He's not going into heaven. That's when you die. He's not going into hell either because that's also when you die, the two places you can go to. But I believe he's talking about when I'm on a mountaintop that everything's going great. Man, it's just the most beautiful day. Everything's going great. He goes, man, even in that time, God, you're there. But if I make my bed in hell, that everything around me is just going really, really bad, that the only way I can describe it is to say, I'm in hell. This is so bad. You're not in hell. But that's the illustration of what you will give. Behold, God is there too. It goes on to say in the next verses, it says that he's right there with me, and even there, his right hand is there to help me with a way of escape. Right out. But what jumped out to me yesterday as I was studying all this is I make my bed in hell. I made the choices that led me to be there. No one else. Those are decisions that I made that I, if I could go back and go, ah, oh, if I could have those words back, if I could have those actions back, if I could have that decision back, if, if I could have a, a whole series of decisions back, those things, but now I can't, and now I'm here, and oh, this is hell. If I make my bed in hell, even then, God is with us. Another saying you might have heard is, you made your bed, so lie in it. See, that's the world's way. You made the decisions. Now you're a bad person. You just got to endure it. That's not God's way. God says, you made your bed in hell, but I'm here with my hand extending out. I'm a way of escape. I'm showing you a way out. But I also want you to see that in the mountaintops when everything's going wonderful, that everything is just perfect, the the birds are singing better than yesterday. The air seems clearer. The rain is coming down. Isn't it so wonderful? It's just washing all the dirt away. I mean, your perspective on everything about life is just, it's wonderful. That's when we also still need God. We don't just need God when we're in that place where, oh God, I'm in hell. God, this is a terrible place I find myself in right now. Won't you please, please, please help me out. 
See, you may be even driving down the road and today is the day that you're on your mountaintop and you're just whistling and you're just listening to everything, man. I just can't believe, oh, the trees look beautiful today. And you look over to the left or your right and you see somebody in, in the car and it may be hell for them that day. Or the converse thing, you can be in a terrible place and you just can't just get through. It's like, how am I going to endure through this day? How am I going to take another breath? And the person next to you, they're whistling them. You know, the, the birds are beautiful to that because it's not about the rain. It's not about the birds. It's not about the weather. It's about we all have different times. But God is there in all of it. It goes on in verse 11. And tell me if this doesn't sound like depression. Now talk about depression because so many people are facing depression. And all the people I talk to, all of them have depression that comes and knocks on their door. Hear what David says. He goes, I could ask the darkness to hide me or the light around me to become night. He's like, man, I'm in darkness and I just want to kind of fade into the background. I don't want everything to even see me. I'm in the darkness, but I want even that to hide me. I want to not be seen at all. And if there's any light around, I just want it to become nighttime. I don't want to, I just want it to go away. Like, can we pull the shades and like, I just want to go into bed and pull the covers over my head. And that's not enough. I want to put more covers over my head. And I just want, didn't that sound like depression? Verse 12 says, but even in that darkness, I cannot hide from you. Even in that darkness, God is still there with his hands extended saying, here's a way out. You see, we need God. Whether we're on the top of that mountain, we're climbing our way up that mountain, or we're at the bottom going, oh my gosh. You see, the problem is when we climb out, we don't need to say, okay, God, I got it from here. We still need God in every step of the way. We need to commune. With him always and in everything. Second Peter verse three, chapter three, verse nine says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Now, I know we're having some technical difficulty and we're not having that up here, but I want you to stay with me and just and listen to what those words are if you're not following along in your Bible. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. So this person made decisions over here, God, and I don't know why they're doing bad and they're not getting caught. I don't know why. Well, God, I could really help them with that. God, if you want somebody to go over there and straighten them out, I'm willing to do that. God, why are you so slow in making them reap their harvest? God, why? He's being patient. Because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent. And that word repentance means literally to have a change of mind. But you see how we look at it is we see the people that are doing bad by our own standards and what we think and we go... Man, I can't wait for you to get what has come to you. But when it's us, we're like, God, I'm in hell. I made some bad choices. Please don't let me reap the, the full consequences. God, please help me out. But you see, God is like, he's there for us, waiting for us to have a change of mind. And he's over there for them, waiting for them, saying, hey, I'm giving you more time. I'm giving you more time. I'm being patient. Can you please change your mind? Change your mind to go up the hill to live in the incline. To live going up, pushing your way up that hill, not sliding down. 
I want you to think about the gym again. There's several things that I've wrote down, and I, I just want to draw your attention to. Number one, it isn't easy. It's not easy going to the gym. That's why in March there aren't people still going. It requires continued attendance. You got to keep going. You can't just go one time and you know, there's no magic spinach that Popeye can have that goes bam and he's got guns. Okay, it takes continued attendance. Number three, the results are steady, but they're slow. Others see a change before you do, and you have to have faith in the process. And after a while, it becomes what you look forward to. But it isn't easy to start or maintain. See, you don't go the first day and walk away with results. You don't walk away a month from there going, man, I can't believe the change. But a year you'll look back and go, I can't believe. I mean, most people that are doing like programs, they'll have you take a before picture and an after picture. And you put them together and go, wow. But when did that change happen? The first day. On that very first day that you went and decided, I'm going to work out. That change happened every day as you did regular attendance. That results were slow but steady. You see, we live on an incline. There's even workout equipment for in the incline. They make the stairs go on an incline. They make the treadmill go on an incline. We all live in an incline. Pastor Stephen Furtick said this, the greatest gift God gave us is gradual change. Now, I'm talking about the gym, but isn't that the same way with church? Isn't it the same thing I can overlay on top of that? It's not easy to get up and go to church on a Sunday morning, especially when you work Saturday night. It requires continued attendance to really see something change in your life. Results are steady, but they're slow. Others can see a change before you do. You have to have faith in the process. And after a while, it becomes something you look forward to, but it still isn't easy to maintain or to start. God doesn't take us to a place and just all of a sudden, you, just like that, you've got a change that happens in your life. It's in the little steps just like in the gym, just like when you're working out and you see little changes going on in your life. That's what God is doing in us. If you'll bow your heads, close your eyes. Where do you find yourself today? What have you done with the decision of accepting Christ or living life however you want to? How about inviting him into your life? Remember how we started? Not making a decision is making a decision. Putting off accepting Christ is making a decision. Can today be the day? Can today be your day? Say yes to God to begin the process. It's a simple saying this prayer. It's a prayer that you pray to God and it's between you and Him. And You can use any words, but I'm just going to help you with the words. Say this. If today is your day, say, God in heaven, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. To pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. For trying to do it on my own. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Now I want to ask everyone a second question. Are you living life your way or God's way? So I'm not talking about whether you'll spend eternity with heaven, with Jesus. I'm asking you, how are you living your life? How are you living on the incline? How about God's gym? Are you pursuing a personal one-on-one relationship with the one who is with you on the mountaintops or in the worst place that you would describe as hell? I'm going to pray for all of us in just a moment. But can I challenge you? Just like regular attendance is what's necessary for true change at a gym. In any new challenge that we do, can I challenge you not to miss the next three Sundays? Not for religious reasons, but can I challenge you to make the decision that you're going to be here to finish this whole series out with what we're doing. It might not be easy. It might be difficult, but again, I'll ask you, when is it, what's easy and good for you? Or what we're supposed to do? Purpose to come. And just like going to the gym, grab a gym buddy. Invite somebody to come with you. Father, I give this time to you. Lord, I give you this message that is so burden on my heart. Lord, and I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice listening on the podcast. Lord, those listening, they're watching on the online church. Lord, those who watch our YouTube channel. Lord, those that are here in front of us. Lord, the people in the previous services. God, Lord, I just ask you for all of us to be challenged. Lord, first of all, to make a decision to follow you. Not just say, I don't know. But Lord, not just about whether we spend eternity with you, but Lord, as we live on the incline, that we're constantly pushing forward. We're constantly trying to take that next step with you. Father, help us to continue that personal growth, personal relationship with you. Father, I give you the glory and the honor for everything you're doing here. And I commend it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.